Welcome to Live from Size Lounge, weekly conversations with alumni of Iowa State University. At the ISU Alumni Association, we strive to facilitate the lifetime connection of cyclones everywhere, communicating, connecting, and celebrating cyclone pride. This series is made possible thanks to the more than 43,000 members of the Alumni Association. If you are interested in staying connected to the university and receiving all the benefits and services of being a member, visit isualum.org to learn more. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome into Live from Size Lounge. My name is Matt Van Winkle with the ISU Alumni Association. Thanks so much for tuning in here. We hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Today, we are going to be joined by Patrice Bailey. Patrice received his master's degree in agricultural education and studies from Iowa State in 2001. Last year, he was appointed to the position of assistant commissioner for the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, overseeing divisions of outreach and ag marketing, meat and dairy inspection, and feed and food safety. He has served the Twin Cities in several positions focused on bridging underrepresented communities of color to various available resources and advocating for them at the Minnesota State Capitol. So please help me welcome Iowa State alumni Patrice Bailey to Size Lounge. Hey Patrice, how are you? I am great. It's so good to be here. Well, thanks so much for joining us. So you're just one state north of us here in Minnesota, and you were just telling me no snow on the ground right now, so it's a good day, right? <laughs> no snow on the ground, but I do have my uh, Iowa State um, sweater in the back in scarf. I like it. I like it. Got to stay. Got to keep the Iowa State colors going. And hey, with the good football season and basketball season right here, uh, we got to show that cyclone spirit, right? That's right. We can't complain. That's right. Well, Patrice, uh, I want to get into a little bit of your background before we talk about um, your current role right now. You grew up in New York, right? Uh, yeah. You got your undergraduate degree um, from Prairie View A&M, which is a public historically black uh, university in Texas. But yeah. why did you, coming from New York down to Texas, decide to, to jump into agriculture? Well, I have family down in, um, in Houston, and Prairie View is actually 45 minutes north uh, of, of Houston going towards College Station. And um, at the time, uh, there was a really, a really good agricultural program. And at first, I wasn't really interested in agriculture, so I wanted to go to law school. But once I got there, um, I started to really see what the program has to offer, then I was hooked. Well, you ended up at Iowa State shortly after that, right? And That's tell right. me about tell me about how you chose Iowa State and um, what what kind of led you to to studying here in Ames. Well, you know, um, after graduation from Prairie View, I um, I had an opportunity to uh, work at the Virgin Islands Department of Agriculture in St. Croix, Virgin Islands. My dad's from St. Thomas. Um, and the commissioner down there just said, uh, if you ever want to come down, give me a call. And I did that. And I started doing some uh, work in forest stewardship. Uh, Hurricane George hit at the time. Um, I said, I'm never going to be in a, uh, in a, uh, uh, a hurricane ever again. <laughs> and so, um, I started applying to, to grad schools and Iowa State just had the best uh, ag program in the country. So um, I applied, I got in, 
Um, and ever since I uh, drove one I-80 uh, coming from New York to actually come to Ames, it's just been a great uh, experience for me. Tell me, tell me more about your time in St. Croix. That's so fascinating. You said yeah. your your father is from from there. Is that what you said? My father is from St. Thomas. St. Thomas. Um, I have family on, on all three islands, but uh, the Virgin Islands Department of Agriculture actually has um, uh, three offices, but the one I was uh, stationed at was in St. Croix. Interesting. Um, I don't. I don't know much about Saint Croix. I, I am fascinated by the life of Alexander Hamilton, who I know is from Saint Croix. Is that right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, it's a it's a beautiful island. Yeah. Um, uh, not too far, maybe about ten miles off the uh, the coast. Uh, there's yeah. Hess Oil has a um, a plant out there in the water. So uh, whenever there's a hurricane uh, and the lights are off in the islands, the lights are on. And has oil, so um, you always know where uh, where the power is coming from. But it's a beautiful right. island. Um, you know, the trade winds are always about seventy-five to eighty-five, uh, even at night. So it's it's just a really great place to be. Sure, I read I read the biography on him, and they in the early chapters talking about his early life. He talked a lot about agriculture in that area, just how how rich it is. Uh, and sugar cane, I believe, is grown out there, yeah. right? Well, you know, agriculture uh, is a lot different there as opposed to um, here in, in mm -hmm. the U.S. Uh, in regards to, um, you know, we deal with land uh, acres and they deal with uh, name, um, uh, uh, ancestry uh, in terms of uh, access to the land. So okay. I found that to be very interesting that based on your last name depends on the type of entrance you will be able to uh, to gain. That's interesting. Uh, tell us about your time at Iowa State and some of the things that you learned about agriculture being in this agricultural uh, rich state here in Iowa. What, what type of things did you learn as a student at Iowa State? You know, when I first hit Curtis Hall, um, I was greeted by Dr. David Acker and uh, Dr. Robert Martin, who was my uh, uh, professor there. And I just had a great intro, um, nonetheless, that, uh, you know, to, to know that George Washington Carver was also a student there in, um, in uh, Iowa State. Mm -hmm. I was just blown away just by the connections um, with students as well as um, with the faculty. It, it was just a really good uh, kind of a family um type atmosphere and you know I, I i was lucky with the grad students um the class that I did come in in 99 um mm -hmm. they were just really uh, an awesome group of, of folks for the two and a half years i was there i was I, it was it was a blessing and so every time um i uh, get a chance to come down i always come down and visit Last year, you were appointed to the position of assistant commissioner for the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Talk That's about right. this. Talk about this position and what you've been doing here the last year or two. Well, I can say it's a dream job for, yeah. for one. Um, the things that I do, uh, you know, there's about 500 employees, six divisions, uh, four commissioners, and two of the assistant commissioners, myself and uh, and Whitney Place. Uh, split the six divisions 
And like you had mentioned in the intro, I have food and feed safety, meat and dairy and ag marketing and outreach. And so um, a lot of the, the grants and loans and uh, international and uh, regional local uh, trade shows and, um, and the like are in my division. So um, it's just a great, uh, great way to be able to serve Minnesotans uh, when I first came in, um, the lieutenant governor had asked me if I can, uh, and the commissioner asked me if I could put together uh, an emerging farmer uh, task force. Sure. Um, and so May of this year, uh, it was signed into law for uh, the working group, uh, which is similar. Uh, but we had our first meeting uh, November 6th. And so it's really kind of a full circle to be able to, to reach people uh, in underrepresented uh, communities within Minnesota uh, to add them to the uh, agricultural landscape. How did that emerging farmers work group start and what was the, wh why was there a need for that? So, so the need was um, really trying to find out why five particular groups um, uh, historically uh, are not sort of counted within agriculture so there's about 26 million acres that are uh, in Minnesota. Uh, the average age of a, um, of a farmer is 56. And most of the farmers here in Minnesota are white. Um, very few uh, uh, black uh, farmers uh, based on the 2017 census. Uh, there's fewer than 39 uh, black farmers in Minnesota. I'm sure that number is a lot higher depending on, uh, you know, the the adults who haven't registered with um, with that um, with the census, but uh, tribal nations, which we have eleven of them here, tribal nations, uh, people of color, women, um, uh, people with disabilities, and veterans. Those were the five groups that are weren't present, and so we did a listening session around the state last year around harvest time. Um, to really uh, find out what are the barriers throughout the state. Uh, we were surprised to find out that as, as diverse as the state is regarding agriculture, um, the, the issues were, uh, were similar uh, with land access and finances uh, sort of being the top two barriers that, um, that farmers, uh, farmers mostly of color uh, face. And so uh, when we wrote the report um, that we submitted to the legislature, these are the things that we identified, including uh, creating a, um, a working group that allowed uh, the barriers that were identified to actually be worked on um, you know, once it was created. So that's where we are currently. Um, and so we're just in the beginning phase of really um, giving a voice to um, some 17 uh, members that have been identified uh, to serve on this working group. Interesting. Really cool. Well, Minnesota ranks, I know, fifth in the nation for agricultural production, over yeah. 430,000 agricultural related jobs in the state alone. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think people around the world should know about agriculture in Minnesota? Well, they, they should know that um, 
Minnesota is home to about 26 to 28 uh, Fortune 500 companies, uh, of which 17 of them are agricultural-based uh, companies. Um, mm -hmm. It's a very rich and diverse state in, in, in regards to, if you go further northwest uh, of uh, Minnesota, there's not a lot of livestock up there, but what you do have is canola, there is um, a fertile ground where they where they grow uh, grass seed. Uh, over to the to the uh, to the east of the state, over where Duluth is. Uh, at one time, Duluth used to be um, uh, the place where they had the most millionaires in the in the country. Used to be in Minnesota in Duluth because of the taconite and also the railroad industry. Um, and so now. You know that technite uh, industry continues, but it's also where the iron range is. And if you go further south uh, to Rochester, you know there's a huge uh, belt of um, Somali uh, farmers that are down there, and more traditional agriculture: corn, soybean, uh, you know, pork, in in um, in Turkey. That's in those areas. So it's a very uh, diverse. Uh, uh, space and um, and it's 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 continually to grow. You know whether it's it's, it's goat um, uh, farmers that are uh, really trying to get more into like halal uh, and kosher meat, and uh, there's a huge demand for that. Uh, of course, a lot of things post George Floyd has created a great opportunity for. Uh, for agriculture to to uh, identify the food deserts that have popped up uh, because of um, uh, uh, food insecurity. Mm -hmm. And then you have the tribal nations across the state. And, um, you know, having the first indigenous uh, lieutenant governor here, she is so committed to this working group that um, it's been great to have her support. It's so interesting when you lay out the different regions in the state of Minnesota. And I mean, I guess anybody from Iowa really that's that's driven through the state knows how diverse the state is, right? I mean, you think of the southern yeah. Iowa, you think of pretty similar to uh, the type of environment you might see in Iowa. But really, you're right. I mean, as you get more north, you hit Minneapolis, more of that uh, suburban, that urban population. Then yeah. as you get farther up north towards Duluth, that Fargo, that northwest part of the state, I mean, it, it really changes. The landscape really completely changes. changes. Um, and just thinking about how diverse that agricultural that agriculture is, seems yeah. like the state of Minnesota really does embrace that type of um, that diversity in agriculture. Well, you know, right now, um, you know, we've been really tackling um, diversity, equity, and inclusion mm -hmm. with a focus on equity uh, to make sure that all Minnesotans, especially the five groups that I identified, um, are having the opportunity to have the same uh, access uh, to to agriculture. You know, I I, I think of um, uh, post. I mean, uh, pre-COVID, I was going to uh, some of the schools. You know, outreach is part of my um, my area. So, you know, just talking to students about you know what does a farmer look like, and they'll have bib overalls and John Deere hat. And I come in there with a suit and I say, well, can a farmer look like this? And they say, no. 
Um, but then I say, just imagine the possibilities. And, and more uh, important is, you know, when you talk to students of color, uh, by and large, um, you talk about the word agriculture, that, that doesn't resonate because that's not a, a word that they hear on an everyday basis. So when you can imagine, um, you know, Minnesota Ag in the classroom or being able to talk to students about, uh, you know, where the food comes from and what, what do you think canola looks like? And, you know, for them to just kind of think of, you know, the oil and the products that you see on the shelf, um, many of those products are actually uh, uh, created here. Um, as well as Iowa, Wisconsin, and North Dakota, you know, being uh, neighbor, uh, neighboring, um, uh, you know, fellow states, it's really a, it's really great to see their their eyes light up to think about if I could do that in agriculture, I'm going to do that. Yeah, you know, it's, so it's, there's a there's a really fantastic video, and I think I found it right on the Minnesota Department of Agriculture's YouTube page of mm -hmm. carrots, carrots that were grown in Minnesota, mm -hmm. they showed the process of it being harvested, um, processed, washed, and ended up right back into the, the public schools there in Minnesota. I thought that mm -hmm. was just so fascinating to see. And that's gotta be one of the ways that you guys are embracing that, um, the agriculture in the state, getting it right back into the public schools and, and feeding the, the, the kids in that state. Yeah, we have a huge farm to school program, farm to, uh, farm to table program, in which we're doing that very thing of uh, working with, um, our different farmers, especially Hmong farmers, uh, Somali farmers, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, be able to work with different schools to, you know, to uh, have fresh produce locally, um, not only to feed the kids, but also to support local businesses uh, that are surrounding the school. <laughs> and so it's, it's great to be able to see that. And we're looking at some video too now of just some of these farmers markets that make up uh, or that are in Minnesota. That's got to be another way that you guys are really reaching out to those communities, um, yeah. maybe those underserved communities, and in ways that you hadn't before. Yeah, we actually have a, a, a program called a Minnesota Grown. It's a famous brand that um, you know the Department of Agriculture has had for about thirty-five years, and um, it's great to be able to go to Hy-Vee or you know, go to uh, uh, to Target and be able to see that Minnesota grown logo um, and know that uh, that's supporting farmers uh, from all over the state, uh, especially with, uh, you know, um, Minnesota uh, farmers markets as well. You mentioned uh, just a bit ago that some of your work involves going into those schools and talking with kids about agriculture. How important do you feel it is to educate our youth about um, jobs in, in ag and um, just the importance of knowing the process of where your food comes from too? You know, honestly, I think it's crucial because, you know, kids can't be what they don't, what they don't see. That's one of the things that I always mm -hmm. tell, you know, um, tell kids all the time that, um, you know, whatever you can dream of what you would like to do, you could do it in agriculture. But since uh, agriculture in, in the U.S., unlike, uh, say, Venezuela or, or, um, or uh, Cuba, you know, where agriculture is sort of talked about and embedded throughout 
um, you know, the government and also the, you know, the, the actual country, you know, people don't always hear the word agriculture unless we're going through a food uh, desert like we've been having with the meat processing issues across the country. And, you know, Minnesota serves uh, one-fourth, they, pro they provide one-fourth of uh, all the meat in the country comes from Minnesota. So when that whole issue went down with um, some of these plants that went down, we had to make sure that students knew that you, you won't be able to have your brats <laughs> or any of the hot dogs or bacon or anything. So when you start to go to the stores, uh, talking to students about, you know, you don't have those certain products on the shelf anymore um, because of this uh, depopulation that's been happening. But it's been great to be able to um, to talk to students about, you know, being a lawyer or going to uh, the USDA or uh, having to, uh, you know, grow local in your backyard as a community garden. Well, Patrice, Iowa State University graduates are really using their degrees to make their communities, Iowa, and the world a better place. How do you feel you've been able to use your education from Iowa State to make an impact in the work that you do? You know, I didn't realize how many uh, Iowa State alums are actually living in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, you know, the, the education from uh, Iowa State has been a phenomenal uh, the alumni support um, of, of you know, from 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 your fellow colleagues, uh, mm -hmm. students to uh, coming back to um, to just walk around and uh, see your old uh, college has been so it it's it's a true homecoming. You know, when I was there last last August, it really felt really great to to be able to come back home and, um, and talk to the dean, talk to the president about, you know, what was happening with agriculture, but also tie it back to, you know, this is what alumni should be doing. This is how we support, um, how we support Iowa State. And so, you know, it's great to be able to continue to talk to uh, just people in general where they see uh, your Iowa State alumni plate on your car and, you know, it just seems like they kind of honk and say, hey, you know, go Cyclones, you know. We call it, we call it Cyclones everywhere. Cyclones <laughs> everywhere. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> well, Patrice, we're extre extremely proud of you and the work that you're doing um, in Minnesota. So thanks so much for joining us from Size Lounge today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. If anything you guys need, just, you know, give me, give me a call. Sounds great. Thanks, Patrice. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is Patrice Bailey. He is the current Minnesota Department of Agricultural Assistant Commissioner. So thanks so much for joining us today. Have a safe uh, and happy week. We'll see you next time from Size Lounge. Thanks so much, everyone.